Hello, hot stuff. Hello. Can you believe it's episode 63 of Keeping Up With The Joneses? I cannot believe. Are you feeling caught up with The Joneses? I feel caught up with something. It was an amazing week. It really was. And correct me if I'm wrong, but we had no conflict. We had no conflict. Which is pretty great. It is. So there you go, people. To avoid conflict, get on a podcast and talk (laughs) Talk about about your week of conflict. (laughs) And magically it fixes it. (laughs) Ta-da! We got some great feedback from you guys this week. Thank you for everybody who wrote in and told us they enjoyed last week. We're more than happy to talk about how mean my wife is so that you guys can have a better week. That's unkind and (laughs) untrue. (laughs) Well, that's why it was funny. Ice just fell off my shoulder. Let's talk about your shoulder. Are we putting you down? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Let's pick a day. Thursday? Oh, Thursday's what's, good for So me. What's, talk about what's going on. I'm in an enormous amount of pain and we don't really know what's going on. So I think the new plan is to go get an MRI. So at least we know what we're dealing with. You know, baby, cage fighting isn't as glamorous as you think it is. I know. I know, but I like the outfits. It pays well. You like the right. outfits, but it's taken <laughs> its toll on your body. It really has. Do you want to know the highlight of my week? Um, yes. You already know the highlight of my weeks. Yes. Five shiny stars. Oh, I didn't know that was the highlight of your week. <laughs> Tell everybody why five shiny stars are so important. <laughs> well, because you've spent a ridiculous amount of time. A ridiculous amount of time over... A ridiculous amount of time. So since December of last year. Yeah. 154 hours since December. I wish I had 154 hours to do something You've probably frivolous. Bro- you've probably browsed Pinterest for 154 I hours. I have not. You're smoking dope. <laughs> no. I'm going to install a little piece of software on your computer that tracks how long you spend on Zillow. I wish you would. Pinterest. You wish I, I really would? I really wish you okay, would. Okay, you know what? It's being installed mm-hmm. and in six months we'll report back. Okay. Except you do most of your browsing on your phone, so I don't know how I'm going to track that. Let's just agree that you spent 154 hours on There Zillow. is not a chance. <laughs> anyway, we're missing the point. There's five <laughs> shiny stars. Tell everybody why that's important. I have no idea why that's important. No, that's the wrong answer. Oh. Why is it important? <laughs> because it's important to you. <laughs> there we go. It's some game that you played. And couldn't defeat and had to get a million people over to help you defeat it. And then you still didn't get your shiny stars. You only got your stars. Right. And then Abigail figured out why you didn't have shiny stars. Okay. Watching my eight-year-old play Nintendo games is a tremendous source of joy for me as a parent. Because she's ingenious. Is ingenious? How is ingenious different from genius? Um, They're inside. <laughs> <laughs> okay she's a genius inside yeah. and she's really if she great was outside she'd have to be a out genius <laughs> oh we're on a roll ladies and gentlemen <laughs> needless to say i finished a very complex game as fully as one can fully finish that game and it gave me a tremendous sense of joy i'm so glad darling. what else happened this week oh no i can't remember oh we went to the movies we did what are we gonna see we went to see Mission Impossible 4. Nope. Mission Impossible 5. 5. <laughs> I can't believe everyone dies at the end. I, I know, was not shocking. expecting that. I know, I didn't think that either. What did you think of the they movie? They have to end it at some point, though. Um, it, I thought it was as good as the first one. Yeah, I thought it was very similar in feel to the first one. Mm-hmm. They've departed a little from the formula, and not in a bad way, just in a confusing way, because for the first, what felt like half of the film, I was like, this is really slow. And then discovered that wasn't 
the first half of the film. That was maybe the first third, maybe even a quarter of the film. But yeah. thoroughly enjoyable. So good. Really, lots of twists, lots of turns. Yeah. I want to see it again, just because I'm positive now, knowing the end, I would be able to go back and see things. Very good. Maybe. Our kids went back to school? They did. It's hard to believe it's a new school year. I know. Why are you doing the whiny voice? Well, I don't know. I'm glad they're back in school, but it's just that they're growing. And know that they're supposed to grow. Mm -hmm. But they're none of them really babies anymore. That's kind of sad. Well, they're supposed to grow. I'm glad they are. It'd be weird if they didn't. I know. Although having a bonsai baby would be pretty cool. A who? A bonsai baby. What's a bonsai baby? Like a bonsai tree, but a baby instead of a tree. <laughs> and you just trim them? <laughs> <laughs> okay, this dick. It's rest for the really dark and weird. Your mother, who's been staying with us for three weeks, God bless her, left today. Yes, she did. She's going home for cataract surgery. Yes. But she's driving 14 hours. <laughs> she is. So we're praying for all the drivers between here and Toronto. Yes. And she drive. I mean, she's going to be 80 in February. And she drives the whole way by herself. But she's stopping in Ohio for like to sleep. Yep. Yep. Just in a lay-by. But what's a lay-by? A lay-by is a British word for uh, mm. a rest stop. So, okay, a rest stop. Yeah, gotcha. Is, is that right? Sure. Yeah. She is not. She, we, we put her in a hotel. We did. Our main topic for this week is... Giving. That's right. I try to think of a kind of a sexier title than giving, because giving in and of itself doesn't sound very, very sexy. But here's what I've come to realize upon reflection, is I think one of the most practical and yet supernatural things I've ever seen in my life is how that God partners with our giving in incredible ways. And I think it's astonishing because you can enter into this supernatural upstream anytime you want just by giving. Yes. I reviewed our giving records tonight, and I was totally motivated to give more. Good. All right. Talk to me about giving. I love giving. I'm I'm one of those people that, that when I first got saved, I didn't give. Then I heard teaching about tithing. Not, right. Not giving, but tithe, like, you know, the tithe. Yep. And was encouraged to test God, you know, test me in this. And so I started doing that and I I just saw things, you know, I saw results. It did feel like 90% further than 100% and all that kind of stuff. So I really, I mean, I love tithing and then giving obviously is on top of that, which is just super fun to be able to bless other people. I mean, somebody randomly came up to me and blessed me today. During church. Yeah. And just, you know, just gave me like a check to be able to go and get a massage, which was just so lovely, you know. And I don't know who was more excited, her or me. <laughs> yeah, just... you, you touch on something interesting about tithing. And I think some people think that they're giving when they're tithing. Mm -hmm. But that's actually a misconception. Right. I mean, you touched on that. Yeah. Tithing isn't giving. No. Because you can't give someone what is already theirs. Right. It's returning. Right, yeah, you, you return your tithe or you bring your tithe. You don't give your tithe. So giving is actually on top of that. Before we get too far into this, it's probably worth noting that there's a lot of nauseating teaching out there about giving. And 
I think that perhaps already, maybe I'm guessing that if you're listening to this, you're like, okay, where are you going with this? Because we've heard so much mess in the church about giving and it's had a manipulative edge. And that's not where we're going. We just wanted to tell some fun stories about what we've seen God do through giving. Two thoughts before we do that. Mm -hmm. The first is your right hand is not supposed to know what your left hand has given. So it's kind of weird that we're talking about giving publicly on a podcast. But the focus is Mm -hmm. on the action of giving, not on who gave it, in which case us. Secondly, it's impossible to talk about giving to God without talking about the flip side of that coin, which is receiving from God. You can't give without being given to. And part of the point I'm talking about giving is the receiving point, but really I'm, I am honestly trying to talk about giving for the sake of giving. Yes. Who do you think I learned giving from? Uh, probably the same people I learned giving from. John and Carol. I was going to say Sting. <laughs> Sting. <laughs> I got really close to him. You know, he was a math teacher before he was in the police and I used to deliver papers to him. And one day he sat me down and said, hey, let me teach you this kingdom principle. No, he didn't. You're he was in me. the police? Okay, we've got a lot to cover after the I'm podcast. I'm totally joking. Sorry. Yes, it was John and Carol. <laughs> I I watched them over the years give away money, cars, airplane tickets, time to people, Laptops, phones. I mean, I was astonished Mm -hmm. at the generosity with which they lived their lives. They're amazing, yeah. Do you want to know the moment where it all clicked for me? When? Okay. It's my first ever international trip with John and Carol. For those of you who don't know my story, I went to Toronto, did the school there. And after I graduated, I ended up interning with the senior pastors, the founding pastors of the church, John and Carol Arnott. And so this led to me a year of me traveling all over the world with them, never really leaving their sight. And on the first trip, we went to Paris, France. And, I, you know, when he said, you know, would you like to be our intern? I was anxious because being raised a good Scottish boy and probably being, you know, raised well with my parents, you know, I'm thinking, how am I going to pay my way? And John never once covered the whole issue of who would pay for what when we'd travel. Now, I'll cut to the end of the story. The end of the story is they paid for every single thing. Like, for a year. Yeah, all my flights, all my accommodation, all my food, mm-hmm. you know, everything. It was astonishing. On top of that, it would give me money to take you out on dates and would lend me their car. You know, it's just, uh, my mind was blown. Mm-hmm. But at this point, I didn't know any of this. And so we hadn't discussed what would be happening and I'm on a plane and that's fine because I'm figuring maybe they've got air miles, whatever. But we go, we land in Paris and it's the first night we've checked into our hotel and we go out for dinner and we're at a restaurant and I know I have no money because I'm an intern. Like I, I maybe have $20 to my name and I'm looking at this menu and I'm trying to, in my head, convert what the euro is into Canadian dollars. And I, I, in my internal dialogue is, I don't, I don't know what to eat. And I'm thinking maybe I could just eat the French bread or it was just bread because I was in France. Maybe <laughs> I could just, maybe. That's like Brazilian nut. Brazil nuts are just nuts when you're in Brazil. I gotcha. <laughs> So I was thinking maybe I just eat, and I was panicking, and I didn't even know what to order. Like, I don't know what to do. And I remember just saying to the Lord, Lord, I don't know what to do. And the Lord said, I'm going to teach you about sonship. And so, you know, John was saying, you know, what what, what do you want to eat? And, I, you know, I'm doing the thing of like, what are you ordering? Because I don't want to order, well, A, I didn't want to order a steak. I didn't want to order anything lavish. Right. And so I'm thinking, what are they going to order? You know, maybe the chicken fingers? 
the kids. I'll have the kids' chicken fingers, please. <laughs> no fries, a la carte, <laughs> and, and only two chicken strips, not three. It's just far too much. What can I get for twenty Canadian dollars? <laughs> and, but honestly, I was freaking out because I had no money and I didn't want to be a burden to them. And of course, I had no revelation of the goodness and the kindness of God at this point. I had, I'd, and I didn't really know John and Carol. I didn't know their hearts or the way they lived their life. And at, and at that moment when I was utterly unable to provide for myself, that they lavishly provided for me. You know, we just ate at these amazing French restaurants and, you know, yada, 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 yada. And they, in that moment, I think, was the starting point of God showing me, I'm going to provide for you because you can't provide for yourself. Yeah. And I watched them give generously to me and something happened in my heart where I think probably performance kicked in. I wanted to give back to them. You know, to kind of equal the scores. And that's a very British thing. You know, we have, in our heads, we keep tally of who's paid for what meal so that we can repay it. And and I hate to tell you, that's not giving or generosity. (laughs) Yeah, that really began my journey into sonship. I remember John preaching and he said, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And he said, Alan, the kingdom is ruled by a giver. Right. I've never even thought of that. And he said, Alan, when you learn to give, you learn to become more like your father. I think the problem with me is I tithed for years. I think I've pretty much tithed as long as I can remember. But this is what it went like in my head. Okay, God, I've given you 10%. Now back off, Trixie. Mm-hmm, like this mm-hmm. 90% is mine. Nine. Don't you Nine. dare ask for any of it. <laughs> yeah. And that's a poverty mindset. That's a stingy mindset where... Yeah. You know, all your outlook is the best you can think of is mediocreness. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I have given enough, thank you. I would now like to steward the rest of my money. Mm-hmm. And you can do that if you want. But then what happens is what you can do with your money is fixed on how much money you have. Right. Whereas I would say that we live a lifestyle way beyond what our budget says we can afford. Yes. Great point of, of, of that was when we used to travel. When we used to you know, travel internationally, we had no salary. We lived entirely by faith and off the honorariums we'd receive from speaking and love offerings that people would give. And we spent most of our life flying around the world, often in first class, which we obviously never paid for first class tickets. We, never. We couldn't afford that. No. So we would buy economy tickets and we would just have such astonishing favor on that that we'd always not always but almost always be upgraded and so if you were to look at the lifestyle we were living it was something we could never have afforded and and i think that's an amazing principle that god teaches is that you give what you do have and you get what you could never have afforded Mm -hmm. i forget where the passage is I, i could have looked it up but it's the Remember in the Old Testament, the woman, she owes a lot of money and she goes to the prophet and says, you know, they're coming to sell my, take my boys away and, you know, sell them into slavery. What do I do? And he says, you know, go get jars from all your friends, relatives and neighbors and, you know, fill them with oil. Mm -hmm. She's like, I don't have any oil. And he's like, well, just pour out what you have. And so she gave what she did have and it just multiplied and she got what she could never have afforded. Or the other one where, was it Elijah or Elisha? I always forget which one it is. Goes to the widow, is it at Zarephath? Mm-hmm. Is it? Did I just make mm-hmm. that up? And there's a famine 
And he says, bring me something to eat. And she's like, honestly, as surely as the Lord lives, this is all I've got. And he's like, I'll give it to me first. Yeah, he's, make the cake for you and your son. Right. But give me some first. Right, the boldness of that prophet. Because she's saying, I'm just going to make this and die. Right. So she gives literally all she has. Yeah. And she get she got what she could never imagine. So you, you're well within your rights to live off your 90%. And you can live that, but it will be capped by what you can afford. Mm -hmm. But I've found, and we've found just from living a life of giving, that it is astonishing at at what happens. It's astonishing the favor that... that And it's so stinking fun. It is. It is tremendous fun to partner with Jehovah Sneaky and sneakily find people to bless. And I, I, I just love that part. We have a friend who shall remain nameless who actually makes sure, like they're in terms of what they're paying for rent and whatever, they make sure that their rent is not above a certain amount because they want to make sure they have a certain amount of money on top of tithing to just be able to bless people every month. Amazing. So this person is like, well, I can afford X for rent, but if I do that, then I don't get to bless other people the way I want to every month. So... I'm not going to do that. Here's a simple thing. If you'd like to get in on this action, of course you can randomly and sporadically give. In fact, let me let me say this. There's two ways you can give. One, you can give a God-directed way of giving. Mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit comes to you and says, hey, I'd like you to give this. And that's always a challenge and always fun. Or you can just give of your own volition. Just decide to go meet a need mm-hmm. and you know, go bless somebody. That, Pay for the person's groceries behind you right. in the line or, you know, whatever. You know, and be, and, you know, I guess there's a couple of other ways you can give sacrificially. Yeah. Or you can give out of your abundance. Right? So there's tons of different ways that you can give. One of the fun things that that, that we started doing was tithing 11%. Yeah. Instead of 10. And it sounds ridiculous, but the... To our astonishment, I remember the very first month we did that, mm-hmm. we thought we're going to give away 11%, basically we're going to give away 1% and on top of our tithe of 10%. And that month, I remember we had been walking through Target looking at some of the stuff in the aisles that we would like, but didn't have in our budget. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we needed some bar stools, we wanted some curtain rods, we really wanted a trampoline for the kids, mm-hmm. and we really wanted a new sofa. And so we happened to be wandering in Target, and I, I remember that because we'd been looking at bar stools and just thought, well, you know, we've been to TJ Maxx and looked at some other stuff. And that month we, uh, you know, tithed 11%. And our neighbors who we had never met, well, hang on, hadn't we given them groceries the day they moved in? We did. Yeah, okay. that's right. So, when they moved in, we, we just showed up with like, here you go, here's groceries. Right. So yeah. back up neighbors that when they moved in, we bought them groceries Mm -hmm. and had hitherto never spoken to them since. Yeah, so like a year later, they're moving. And as (laughs) as they're moving, they shout across to us, said, hey, would you guys like a trampoline? And so we go around to the back and there is a giant, you know, a giant trampoline with, you know, a big fenced-in circular trampoline. Netting, yeah. And we're like, yes. Fence sounds dangerous. Okay. So they gave us that trampoline. We just rolled it over to our house. That was a nightmare to set up. But nevertheless, it was a huge trampoline. And we were like, that's amazing. So they're like, hey, we've also got some bar stools that we're not taking with us. Would you like some bar stools? So we went in and right enough, there were some bar stools. And they're like, hey, we've got some curtain rods. And what else did they have? Couches. And they, yeah, we got their couch. We paid $150 for their couch. Two couches. That's 
still the two couches in our house to this day. Yes, they But are. I just remember thinking, <laughs> God, we gave you 1% of extra of our tithes, and you astonished us by giving all that stuff. Yeah. I Last year, and I'd like to do that again this year, but I wasn't as disciplined. Last year, starting in January, and this is a fun exercise for everybody to do, is I started a spreadsheet with what we gave and of course, I didn't include our tithe, okay? So just ignore your tithe. Your tithe is a given. Yeah. Right? As yeah. a given, no pun intended. Uh-huh. And I had one column dated what what we gave. Yeah. And another column, what we received. And at the end of each month, I'd total up what we gave. And then I would total up what we'd received. And I was just looking at it before I got on the podcast. And I was like, oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. I forgot about Oh, my goodness. And sometimes what you receive isn't necessarily material goods. Sometimes it's, I mean, for example, last year, I think it was last January, I had to fly over to see my mum. She'd just been diagnosed with cancer. And so I flew over in the last minute. Um, Amazingly enough, somebody bought me flights. Mm -hmm. To this day, still don't know who it was. We didn't know how we were going to get over. And somebody had anonymously said, I want to buy flights. So they bought flights. Go to the airport. I have no status whatsoever with this airline. It's like the first international flight I'd flown with them. I'm standing at the gate waiting for my flight. And the gate agent is like, uh, would Alan Jones please approach the gate? And guess what? They'd upgraded me to first class. I had a you know, uh, fully reclining lie flat. What, what do you call them? Yeah, like yeah. those pod things. Yeah, a pod, a, a bed. And I, just, and I was just like, God, not only did you give me the flights... But they were actually upgraded. Like yeah. that, that was like a six thousand dollar ticket that I didn't even pay for. Right, just astonishing things like that. And of course, when I land, what do I find that they've you know Hertz has upgraded me to this little sports car. I'm like, oh god, wasn't even... it like an Audi or Mercedes or something? It was red. Yeah, it was a bright red. I forget what it was, but it was a nifty little thing. But it's just astonishing. You're so funny. You're so not a car guy. <laughs> it was red. It was a nifty little thing. <laughs> Do you want to talk about hot potato? Well, yeah, we like to play uh, hot potato. So sometimes when uh, people give us cash, we just look around for somebody to give it to before it, you know, before it stays in your pocket kind of thing. Right. Sometimes we won't even open up the envelope to know what's inside it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes somebody will come out and give us you know, you know, randomly a gift or a gift card or an envelope or whatever. And before we've left the service, we found somebody else to give it to. I remember being in Australia and we were teaching, I think, on giving. And as we were teaching, I saw this girl and just thought, oh, I think she really wants to go to the school in Toronto. And I would love to be able to invest in that. Didn't have any cash because I was in Australia. But at the end of the service, somebody came up and gave me, I don't know, it was a couple hundred bucks or something. So I went up to the pastor and said, hey, could you give this money that I'd just been given, the hot potato, to uh, that girl over there, make it anonymous. I really think that she wants to go to the school in Toronto and let that be the first seat. No sooner had I given her that money, when I was walking out the door, we were given $1,000. And so I was just like, God, this is ridiculous. I remember our friend Chris playing that game where you know God would give him money and he would give the money away, and the money just kept getting larger and larger and larger. Yeah, that was really cool. It was like every week. Every week he kept getting given money, and then he'd give it away, and he'd get given more and give it away, and very cool. We, I mean, we've been given amazing things, haven't we? I mean, things you couldn't possibly. I was given a gorgeous diamond ring. 
You want to tell that story? That's a great story. It's a great story. Well, we were uh, ministering at a church in England, and um, so you were uh, teaching the Saturday morning session, and I was upstairs with Abigail just playing. I mean, she just turned one, I think, that day or the day before. And the pastor's wife came up, and uh, she had something in her hand, and she just said, you know, I want to give you something as a symbol of a return of your inheritance and um, as, a, as a promise for my girls and, and whatnot. And then she opened her hand, and it's this gorgeous diamond ring that I wear every day. Um, and But I looked at it, and I was like, ah. Uh, you can't give me that. Like, that is stunning. I mean, it's amazing. And she was like, no, God told me to give it to you, so I'm giving it to you. And I'm like, but you have three daughters. You, I mean, you can't give me that. And she goes, yeah, I can. My daughters know that if God tells you to give something away, you give it away. And I'm like, yeah, but, you know, and, you know, I knew, I knew two of her daughters, and they were in the building. And uh, anyway, so, I mean, I... I took it and I put it on, but I was so like, I mean, I tried to give it back to her like three or four times that week. Like, are you sure you still want me to have this ring? And I even checked with her daughters like, yeah, your mom gave me this. Is that okay? You know, kind of thing. And they were all like, no, it's awesome. You know, oh, I'm so glad you got that. And I mean, the daughters, the whole family's like that. They're just amazing. But um, it was such a a blessing. And I mean, I, I literally look at it every day and it just reminds me that, that God knows right where I'm at. I, it kind of looks like a target. Um, God knows right where I am, but but also you know his his extravagance towards us. I mean, we could, we could never afford this ring. His extravagance is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. I you know I love the very first weekend we came to Grace Center. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. The 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 church that we're now at Grace Center that we absolutely love. The the first weekend we ever visited, they were doing a weekend that they've done a couple of times since where they just take up an offering. They don't tell anybody what the offering is for, but they say, we're going to give it away in full. And they took up something like $200,000? $204,000, yeah. In in one weekend. And they didn't even know what they were going to do with it. They were just praying and saying, Lord, you know, where should this go? And it just so happens that a few weeks earlier, there was a church that was absolutely devastated by a tornado. tornado. Mm-hmm. And so they were like, we're going we're gonna to give it to that church. And so the Sunday that we were there, they were driving over to this church. Mm-hmm. And they were, they, the church was meeting and saying the insurance is going to cover it, but we've got to come up with $200,000. Yeah, they, the insurance was only covering a certain amount. So the remainder was the $200,000. And they, yeah, they were all meeting. They were all go, in the meeting going, where are we going to get $200,000 from? Yeah. And in walks our church with a giant check for $200,000. Yeah, one of those giant plastic ones. And I, that was one of the things that made us want to move to. It was, yeah. Because in 2008, we played that game with the Lord where we said, we want to give away more money than we've ever given away in our life. Yeah. And oh, God is just so amazing yeah. at, at, at giving. One of the other things that's really fun to do is whenever you see a policeman buy their dinner mm-hmm. or their coffee or their whatever, just... Yeah, that confuses the life out of them. It's awesome. I got three principles for you. Yeah. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. Ask, and it shall be given to you. Do what? Ask. Okay. And it shall be given to you. Mm -hmm. On our board, well, not our board, in our school offices, Danielle and Sarah, who are just God's gift 
to administration. Yes, they are. They have a list of prayer requests. And then beside it, when God answered it, uh, they're just amazing. So The list is huge of all the things that God's answered. I remember the first time, uh, you know, everybody, when I was growing up, everybody had a car, but I didn't have a car. And I remember one day my parents lent me their car and I was like, hey, having a car is kind of handy. And so I just prayed. I said, you know what? You have not because you asked not. So I said, God, I just ask for a prayer. And my, Ask for a prayer? I asked for a car, I beg your pardon. <laughs> and so my friends heard me say that. They were like, Alan, you have not because you haven't bought yet. <laughs> but, you know, asking the Lord is a big deal. Yeah. You can do it yourself if yeah. you'd like. And sometimes he will give you resources to buy things. But the house we're living in is because we asked the Lord for it. Yeah. I think lots of times we cut God out of our finances because we think that that's something that we're supposed to be solely responsible for. So, right. I mean, we do our, you know, 10% tithe or whatever, but like if we need healing, we're cool to ask God for that. Right. You know, or if we need a breakthrough in some other area. But for some reason, sometimes we respond to God like it's not okay to ask Him for things that we need financially or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Or, or we don't ask and we lament that we don't have. Right. So the kingdom is run by a giver. So yeah. asking is a big deal. Yeah. Then there's Luke six thirty. It says, give and it will be given to you. I'm going to read that in full. It says, give and it will be given to you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So my question is, what is it? I know the answer. Pick me, pick me. <laughs> the cute Canadian chick in the corner. <laughs> whatever you give. It is whatever you give. Yeah. And so we've got story after story after story of giving iPhones, getting iPhones. Yeah. Of giving away stuff, you know, giving away something and getting back the very thing that you gave, but, you know, better. bigger, better, brighter. Yeah. Giving time, getting time. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the things we really don't lack in life is direction because yeah. we're constantly prophesying other people's direction. Like we're yeah. constantly prophesying vision and purpose and callings over people. And as a result, we're constantly receiving prophetic words about the same things. Yeah, it's true. Or even just sitting with people and, you know, helping them figure out their lives. Right. Yeah. Same with encouragement. Yeah. We're constantly encouraging people. And so we're constantly receiving encouragement. Yeah. I've got a fun story about it. Okay, tell me about it. One time we were in a restaurant. And it was one of our favorite restaurants. And we sat down and sitting right behind us was a, a very famous speaker mm -hmm. who had is kind of largely responsible for why you're in ministry today. Yes. You'd heard them speak many, mm -hmm. many, 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 many years ago. And here they are in the same restaurant as you. So we just thought, wow, they don't even know we exist. No. They don't know your story. Mm -hmm. But wouldn't it be fun just to honor them for what they've done? And so we spoke to the server and just said, you know, when their bill comes, could you bring it to us? We'll make sure that it's paid for. But don't tell them it was us. So we're in the restaurant and uh, that's exactly what happens. Mm -hmm. And we got to see their face because they were sitting behind us. And like I said, they didn't have a clue who we were. So They had know, no idea. No yeah. idea. And so they're, they were walking away just kind of blown away. So we finish eating our meal, we ask for our bill, and the server comes along and says, Sir, ma'am, you're never going to believe what's just happened. And we're like, what? They're like, somebody has just paid for your meal. 
And they said, we, we have never seen anything like this in our <laughs> restaurant. But that was a fast example of give and it will be given to you. Yeah. We gave and our lunch meal was considerably more expensive than their lunch meal. Yeah, we had eaten like ravaging wolves and they had basically snacked. Like rabbits. Yes. All right. <laughs> Last principle, Galatians 6-7, a man reaps what he sows. Right. It's an impartial law designed yeah. for our good. Whatever you put into that law returns to you. Right. So you could sow negativity, you'll reap negativity. But that's right. not what that law was designed for. So if you sow honor, you're going to reap honor. If you sow generously, you will reap generously. You know, I was talking about our church earlier. Yeah. And uh, there's something over our church for generosity. I really don't know of a place like it where I remember one Sunday, a couple had come to church. I'm not sure if it was their first time. It might have been their first time. And they came and somebody gave them a car. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's happened so many times in our church. People mm-hmm. being given cars. Oh, yeah. We've had people being given houses. Yes. We've had people given like colossal debts forgiven. Yes. I mean. Yeah. The, Amazing. But I think part of it is you can create a culture where, you know, obviously Grace Center is a very generous church, some of the stories that we told, but there's something about that, that when you are touched by generosity, that you want to touch others with generosity too. Yeah. So here we go. This week, practice giving. Yeah. Something simple. Be in Starbucks or whatever your coffee shop is and pay for the person behind you. Uh, we love doing that at drive through We love doing that at toll bridges. You know, when you're going over and you pay for the car behind, we just love messing with people. Like Little said, random acts of kindness. Oh, everywhere. And then surprise people with kindness. It's it's astonishing what happens. I remember one time we were doing an offering at Emanate. I forget what it was for. And I realized I'd left my wallet in the car, so I ran out. And as I was running out, I discovered that I was very, very happy. And the Holy Spirit said, Alan, you're most like me when you're giving. And I was like, oh, oh God, that's amazing. So cool. So the great thing about giving is you can step into the upstream of God's generosity just by partnering in the same way, just by giving. Yeah. And you give what you do have, you get what you could never have imagined. Yeah. All right, you ready for an amazing listener's question? Yes. Okay, this is related to last week's topic about conflict. Okay. So Anonymous writes in and said, I grew up in a southern household where conflict was viewed as a fight. My mom handled it by blowing up, followed by crying. And my dad would leave the room or try to change the subject. All that to say, I wasn't really shown a healthy example of the potential and necessity of confrontation or how to really work it out. I most identify with the absorbing part because of the belief system to keep the peace, especially in cases just me being too sensitive or judgmental or my wrong perspective. My struggle is, because I'm such a sensitive person, how to know when it's something worth confronting. A lot of things feel like big things and I can feel myself distance even when little things happen out of self-protection. How do you know when it's your own issue that requires having more grace versus something to confront? That's the first part of the question. Let's answer that. I think the answer is to practice. The only way you know is to practice. Is to just go to friends and just say, this could totally be my issue. I could totally be out to lunch. But would you hear my heart? Right. And then you share it sensitively with an I statement. Right. And once it's out of you, it's much easier to assess because when it's inside of you, it seems much, much bigger. 
And let's say worst case scenario, you were completely oversensitive and it really wasn't an issue. You'll pretty quickly realize that once right. it's out. And then you start to build a, a schema for what's you and what's somebody else right. or you know what's worth confronting. But the whole time you hide it, you're going to have to work overtime Mm-hmm. and then any subsequent issues with that person are going to seem really, really large because you've already got an offense in the background. Yes. So risk it, learn really practical communication skills, and try it. And if it blows up, try it again because it's better than the way you're living life right now, I would imagine. Yeah, you're going to blow up anyway. Right. Eventually. Mm-hmm. Second part of the question, when people confront me, it feels like rejection and a rebuke even when it's gently done. I then want to fix it or condemn myself with how could I have and it takes days to recover from. This also makes me avoid being confronted at any cost as well as confronting because I don't want someone else to feel the way I feel when confronted. Thus the cycle. Do you have any advice for how to deal with that? We have this great phrase that we've borrowed from people who've taught us life languages. The first one is, professionalize don't personalize so often when people are giving you feedback it is about something rather than about you and so actually being able to professionalize and go oh actually that's a reasonable request rather than thinking they hate me they wish i was dead they wish i was never born that's not usually what's going through somebody's head otherwise how are you ever going to grow as an adult how are you ever going to grow as a professional how are you ever going to grow in relationships if people can't give you valid feedback yeah, and you sound like somebody who has clearly has relationships with people and values having relationships with people. So you need to be able to hear when you have made a misstep because you value their hearts. Mm-hmm. And so there is part of it where you have to go, okay, I want to hear it because if I'm doing something that's painful to somebody else, I actually want to get it sorted out. And it, and if you can view it that way, instead of viewing it as rejection, then it's actually like training. The other thing that we have is, is what I'm feeling real or imagined? Right. And I think the fear of confronting or the fear of being confronted is way scarier than actually confronting or being confronted. Yeah. I found in my life that my relationships have grown stronger with the people I can honestly confront or be confronted by. Because I'm then given new information. Like I remember one of our staff members at Grace Center came to me one day and just said, do you realize that when you do this in pastor's meeting that I feel so incredibly hurt by that? And I'm like, no, of course I don't know that. I would never want to willingly do something that's causing you offense. And they're like, really? And I'm like, oh, yes. Like I'm horrified that causes your heart hurt. I can absolutely modify my behavior to preserve the connection that we have. And for them, like they were so scared of coming to me in case I was going to be like, oh, suck it up. It's totally fine. But but for me, this was new information added to our relationship that poor poor person for the past, I don't know, year has been thinking that I'm deliberately trashing their heart in meetings where I am completely unaware that I, what I'm doing is having this effect on their heart. Right. Our relationship is so much stronger because they risked the current relationship they had and we got an upgraded one. Right. What if all your relationships that you're currently managing in fear and hiddenness were exposed in the light and you got stronger and your heart was more fully known and you can understand their heart more fully known and you step into safety? 
Like the people I'm in rich, real relationships with, I know they're going to come and bring something to the light if there's things I'm doing. I don't have to spend endless amounts of emotional energy worrying if they do or they don't like me or they, you know, I can just be myself knowing they're very good at saying, hey, Alan, this is how we're experiencing you. Yeah. I mean, all of our close friends are like that. They're people that can, we know that if they had anything against us or if we'd done something to hurt them, that they would come to us, which gives you a freedom to be in a real relationship. Doesn't that sound like something you want? All right. If you would like show notes for this episode, go to alanandaj.com slash 63. 63. <laughs> Another thought. You just couldn't not jingle this episode. No, I needed to. I love it. In there somewhere, yeah. You're so cute. Thanks. I think for the Christmas episode, I'm going to let you do a series of jingles. Babe, today when MJ was, he had the microphone, the plastic microphone, mm-hmm. and he's singing Jesus Loves Me at the top of his lungs. But at the end of the song, he does a pose and goes, ta da! It was adorable. He's your son. Yep. As we finish, if you are not on our mailing list, would you please consider signing up? We will not spam you. We won't flood your inbox. But we're about to start a very cool new venture. And we'd love you to join us on that. But the only way to find out about that is to join our mailing list. So to join our mailing list, go to alanandaj.com. Scroll down to the bottom of that page. You'll see a big box. You can't miss it. Put in your name, your email, and we'll get you started. Yep. Yep. That's all, folks.